Welcome back to Administrative Static. And Mark and I are joined by Kara Rollins. And Kara uh, and I will be um, at the Relentless hearing, but we do have another <laughs> argument um, out in, in Colorado. So it's the Murphy's Law of like getting a cert grant or something. Right. <laughs> so um, Rich Samp will be arguing that. But um, let it tell me what what has gone on in Lesh. What's remains in Lesh, and what are they going to be arguing about in the appellate courts? Sure. So I believe I've been on before to talk about Lesh. Lesh is a really interesting case. It sort of combines two of my favorite things um, that we work on here: First Amendment rights, snowmobiling, and oh, <laughs> no, no, snow, okay. snowmobiling and sticking <laughs> it to the man. <laughs> There's so many ways you could have ended that. <laughs> I, sentence, that's so. true. I do enjoy. Well, I've never snowmobiled. I think I would like it, but I do like sticking it to the man when I can. So, um, but it involves sort of a First Amendment challenge and uh, deeply important protection of jury trial rights. So those are two issues that organizationally we're very involved in, very interested in, and we think it's a great platform for that. Years ago, uh, Mr. Lesh was charged with— Literally a great vehicle for that. Yes, yes. Um, My snowmobile puns aren't great. Yeah, well. Was charged with and ultimately convicted of two counts of violating— um, some regulations in uh, national forests for effectively operating a snowmobile in a closed area, as well as the, there are pictures of the snowmobiling incident posted on his personal Instagram. Mr. Lesh um, is a founder and owner of a outdoor sports clothing company, um, and the government took the position that those were commercial activity in violation of the regulation. Um, he was convicted of both before a magistrate judge. We appealed that to the district court. Um, we lost. <laughs> and now we're before the Tenth Circuit, raising a couple of interesting issues. One, just a full failure of proof on the government. Um, under the regulation, they were required to provide a map. Um, they didn't provide the map to the to the trial judge. Um, and that's a map showing where you're not supposed it's to not supposed to go, right. So, well, you have to, it's not so much that you have to provide it as that you have you to prove to that it was. Prove it existed, existed at the time. Exactly. So, yeah, so one of the main things uh, in any crime is you have to show that it was illegal at the time, the right? Classic and we just, due process. We were just notice. talking about in Title IX in the civil area, you, you shouldn't be able to bring claims on even, you know, policies that weren't in place at the time, right? Right. right. Exactly. So, so I hadn't if, thought about that. And, it's and, the same and, issue. And it's the really. same issue. And to this point, the trail maps change over time, right? I mean, that's why, you know, each season there could theoretically be a different map because as management of the forest changes or trails change or snow changes, you can adjust. Or the president it. issues a new proclamation about federal land. I'm yeah. sorry, that yeah. was a different week. Yeah, but, you know, it, it <laughs> does play in, right? And so— and, and the fact is that the reason this rule was put in is Congress didn't want anybody snowmobiling to be a crime, right? So they well, wanted there to be notice of where you can go and not go. Exactly. And and that was heavily litigated years ago, and this is sort of the, the middle ground that was chosen. It still allows access for automatic vehicles like snowmobiles in—, in public lands. There so, was a famous case involving Bobby Unser Jr., the Indy 500 driver, uh, mm-hmm. who got crosswise with, a, with the government for snowmobiling. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's been, I mean, who knew? Snowmobilers very much enjoy doing their snowmobiling and therefore protecting their, their rights of access, which, you know, we fully support. So Now, are these the same as the snow machines that uh, Sarah Palin used to talk about? <laughs> that I don't know. I've never seen a picture of one of those. I believe that is the name of them in Alaska. Okay. <laughs> well, they have so many other snow-related things. Uh, you got to exactly. clarify what it is. So, so go ahead. So, so the, the map. So the had- map. The map doesn't get introduced by the government's attorneys, by the prosecutors. And after the fact, the magistrate judge gets on his Google machine. That's what I'm going to call it. 
and finds a random map of the forest and says, look, this area was closed off. That's all you need. He takes judicial notice. And, you know, judicial notice is really important. It can sort of get through thorny issues if it's used correctly, right? Like judicial notice of a definition in a dictionary or something like that, right? That attorneys use all the time. Or judicial notice of factual findings in the Western District of Louisiana if you're a Sixth Circuit court. I'm, but I'm over that. Yeah. <laughs> Go over. But, but, you know, the sort of like a fundamental element of the government's case, the existence of this map. Now, mind you, the map he found was undated. He found it months after the alleged incident occurred. So there's no sort of uh, clarity of whether or not that map existed at the time. I the mean, trial this, was over. Trial was over, and this is and, yeah. There's you know, no way to rebut it at that right. Point. And this goes to an interesting point about why having a jury is really important, because the magistrate judge is able to get on his Google machine after. If a jury was there, they can only deal with the facts and information presented to them. That map was not at trial, and if a juror, because we've all heard of this happening before, jurors getting disqualified. If a juror had gone home and looked at and found the map and said to the other jurors, hey, I found this map online. Mistrial. Mistrial in a heartbeat. Instantly. Instantly. And so there's this oddity here that, you know, not only does he not get a jury trial, but certainly if the same activity was done by a juror, we'd have a mistrial on this issue. And so that's one of them is this sort of magical, mystical missing map um, that judicial notice was taking out over uh, of. And the other one is the one that sort of really relates to the First Amendment is he posts the picture on Instagram. The only proof of the violation of doing commercial activity on public lands without a permit. And it wasn't even commercial activity, but we can get back yeah, to that. Yeah, well, we can get back to that is the idea that, you know, he posted this picture on Instagram. He's an influencer. He owns this outdoor sports company. And there's a whole lot of things to unpack. One of them is the fact that we argue it's not commercial because there's something to the government's argument that essentially says, well, if you're a business owner and you post on Instagram from public lands and there's anything even remotely relevant to your business, even if it's as simple as, say, a hat with your logo, under the government's theory in this case, you can be prosecuted. I mean, it's just this absolutely expansive view of commercial activity. Um, There's no proof that... David made any money as a result of this. His company made any money. There's no proof that he ever intended for that purpose beyond just, hey, here's a sweet picture of a guy on a snowmobile. Um, if you look at his account, that's kind of a normal picture that he posts on the regular. Um, and, and so there, there is this oddity about it. And that's where we say it comes in is the only proof of the violation is protected First Amendment speech. It's a pure speech issue. Um, and so those issues both got rejected. The third one that we have is a non-delegation argument. The can, statute. Can, 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 can we come back to that? Because I yeah. wanted to make one more point about uh, about the um, uh, about the commercial activity, which is there's a case out there where uh, a guy rented a snowmobile and then returned it. But when he returned it, the person he was returning it to, the guy he rented it from, was on. Federal land. Well, he's delivered on federal land, too. Okay. The Sort of the entire transaction, as it were, occurred on federal land, as I recall. Gotcha. But when he returns it, there's a, I guess there's a federal agent nearby. And so the guy who rented it to him is like, no, 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 no. The, you know, this one's on me, you know, kind of you know, trying to <laughs> wave off the transaction. And he was successfully uh, prosecuted mm-hmm. uh, for a commercial activity, but not for the fact that the snowmobiling occurred on federal lands. It was the fact that the rental transaction occurred Mm -hmm. on federal lands. It's perfectly fine to do the rental off-site and then take your rented vehicle 
onto mm-hmm. onto federal lands. That's not a problem. And so I just don't understand how that's different from what uh, from what Lesh did. You know, he did a bunch of stuff off of you know if he were if he were uh, I don't I don't know posting to Instagram from you know from his snowmobile at the top of the ramp or and, something and, maybe and you could linking argue. or hashtagging to his company while he's wearing gear. I mean, in this photo, there is not an ounce of his company's gear. I mean, that's what's odd about it too. Is if, uh, you yeah, know, odd that he's not wearing his company's gear. That's very odd. Just, <laughs> yeah, and you know, <laughs> or just, at least not visual, I'm just right? Yeah, but yeah. but to that point, if if this was commercial activity, a pure ad, if it was right? intended to be, intended to be, yeah. right? It would be cross posted. It would be shared. It would be hashtagged. Yeah. It would you the know, hat would be turned in just the right just way, just the right yeah. angle. Yeah. None of that's there. This is just a bunch of guys taking photos of themselves snowmobiling. He, he has not been Kardashian trained. <laughs> <laughs> And so, I mean, that, but that goes to sort of the troubling point that DOJ raises, that there's something about the nature of David, right? Who he is as a business owner, influencer, that sort of almost makes this per provocateur. Se, provocateur per se violation because he took a photo on federal lands. It's almost like a, a criminal presumption of public figures and libel. You know how they have to have mm-hmm. a, higher, a higher presumption yeah. for libel? Well, here, uh, I don't know. You've got a business and you're running around snowmobiling somewhere, taking pictures of yourself. You must be a criminal. Well, and, you know, we, we give an example in our briefs, and I think it's very clear. It's, you know, let's say, and I know we have an audience in Colorado. So let's say it's one of the big Colorado, uh, John Elway. And he's wearing an L. My husband's a Broncos fan, so he's wearing an Elway steakhouse. I don't know, blazer, jacket, shirt, whatever. Right. Elway's Elway's Ford or something. Yeah, Doesn't something he own some dealership? Ford, yeah, something yeah. like that. Right? He's wearing the Elway's Ford, you know, hoodie. Ford and, can send us, uh, you know, money yeah. for that free endorsement. <laughs> and he can, and he's out hiking on public lands, and he does something that's in violation of one of the regulations he, because he takes a picture. The only way they know what happens is because he takes a picture. Well. Is he engaged in commercial? Is John Elway in that moment engaged in in commercial activity because he's wearing an Elway's Ford thing? No, he's just at that. He's just a guy wearing his company's hoodie on public land. I mean, that's that's more of what we're talking about here, right? There's there's nothing about it, but like you said, there's something sort of baked into this that there's something about David, um, and so that's part of the issue. Do you want to, we just have a little time left. You said something about non-delegation. Oh, yeah. So we just, do have an argument in non-delegation, and we talked about the jury trial right issue a little bit earlier, but the non-delegation mm-hmm. issue is really interesting. The statute that sort of allows, according to the agency, to promulgate these regulations is just incredibly broad. You know, if there's an intelligible principle, I can't find it here because essentially it says, well, you know, they may do anything essentially necessary to, you know, protect and utilize public lands. There's a, there's a third element to it, but it's somehow there's there's this really this real attenuation between protecting public lands and allowing them to be for use, and saying you can't post a picture on your personal Instagram, right? Like that that's a, a step too far. Um, one of the things we talk about in the non delegation element is that the Forest Service um, protects and regulates a tremendous amount of America's you know public lands, just physically of the United States and you know, if you're going to have that regulatory power over that much space, then you don't just need an intelligible principle. You need to have a very clear principle guiding what your regulations are. And that's just not present here. Right. So we will we will have um, – so Rich Stamp will go out to uh, Colorado next week and we'll report back what happened. Thanks, Gary. 